All right, everybody. Sunday Golds is back for another episode. Arya Masudi, Brett Nevitt. We are on Apple Pods and on Spotify, as well as your other favorite places to find your podcasts. And we appreciate your listenership all season long. Florida State has been playing really well as of late, especially 14 and 6 now on the year. The Knowles took 2 or 3 against NC State and then beat a, a decent UCF team here in the midweek, uh, a matchup that I believe. Uh, Florida State and UCF will have again next year down in Orlando. Uh, it was supposed to be two games. They turned it into just one because of really bad weather that hit the Tallahassee area, and they didn't want to keep UCF waiting around and spending the money on a hotel. So UCF went back last night after checking the radar and, and checking the forecast. So Florida State wins that one uh, pretty convincingly. The the uh, NC State matchup was fantastic and had one of the best games. Um, I don't know if it was the best games, uh, one of the longest games uh, in Florida State history. It went 17 innings, and the Knowles, of course, winning on the walk-off by Jaime Ferrer. Uh, Brett, before we get a little bit deeper into this thing, Florida State's 14-6 and six after 20 games. I think uh, when you look at the strength of schedule, top five in the country, this is a, a really good record for this team here in 2022. Yeah, and, and for sure, especially um, – and, I mean, you think about it even more. I mean, three of the losses, I believe, are by – are either in extra innings or I think four if you include one run game. So, I mean, it could be even better, but 14 and six is, is really good so far. I mean, FSU six in RPI and strength of schedule is number three. Uh, you've won all five series so far. You won both your ACC series. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some losses that you might want to have back in close games and you could have managed things differently or executed a th- couple things better, but um, so far, I mean, not much to complain with about a 14-6 and six record. I think we definitely would have taken that coming into the year with the teams that um, FSU was going to play. Without a doubt. And uh, on this episode, we will take some questions. We got a bunch here over the last uh, couple of days and in the last couple of minutes, really, before we hit the record button. Uh, for this one, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. It's about 4 o'clock here in Tallahassee on Wednesday, so... Um, we're also going to look at the national picture and preview the Duke series as Florida State continues ACC play. The Knowles now 4-2 and two in the Atlantic Coast Conference, have not lost a weekend series all year, ACC or non-conference, and that's something to be uh, commended and a hat tip to the, to the boys for that. And now we're a consensus top 10 team uh, when you look at any of the polls. Uh, as high as number seven on uh, D1 baseball, which has been really exciting, and uh, the Knowles beat NC State 13-5 to and then had a doubleheader uh, on Sunday, 15-4. to They lose. That was the first time really all year that a team took it to Florida State. But a lot of it happened late. And then, of course, the Knowles come back and in 17 innings. They win that game 6-5. to um, Brett, uh, you win two out of three against a good NC State team that uh, had one of the hottest hitters in the cu- country in Tommy White. Uh, they call him Tommy Tanks, and he impressed this weekend. But it was a weird weekend. Weather really played a factor. You didn't get to play Friday. And then, of course, uh, you play Saturday, and there's some stop-and-start rain. Uh, and then, of course, Sunday, you have the two games, which felt like three games because of how long that second game went. So all in all, you got to be happy with two out of three. Yeah, for sure. And I thought I thought the first game, FSU played a really clean game, uh, in zero errors, and hit the heck out of the ball. And, you know, Parker gives up a couple home runs. But overall, you know, I just – I can't be concerned about Parker Messick. Um, you know, just miss a couple pitches up, wind's blowing a certain way, and balls leave the yard at Hauser. You know, some days it's it's pretty easy um, at times. 
uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Parker go on a five to six week run here where, you know, he just looks lights out again. So no worries there for me. And, you know, Jaime has four hits on the day. I think he has both FSU's four hit games this season. Um, so, I mean, to get that on your freshman, four RBIs from him, four RBIs from Lacey, um, you know, after getting that Friday game canceled um, or postponed, uh, that's just a really good start to a series. And um, just good to see them come out with the energy they did. Um, then Sunday, I mean, FCU didn't play good baseball Sunday, but I just think the theme of the day was resiliency. Um, you know, you just keep fighting and, you know, obviously it wasn't pretty and it took a lot longer than most of us wanted for them to get that series win. Uh, but end of the day, you got it against a solid team and, uh, NC state, that's a really good lineup. Uh, I thought they played good defense for most of the weekend, um, outside of that first game. Um, it, you know, I think they showed more arms than we thought they had in that last game as well. Um, some younger kids to go along with Villeman. Um, you know, that's a good baseball team, probably just outside top 25, just inside top 25 in that range. Um, probably be a postseason team. So, um, you know, they're not in the top 25 right now, but that's a good series win, especially how it happens and how you had to get there on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I don't think NC State's arms impressed me all that, mu- all that much. Uh, Villeman was really good, of course. Uh, and I thought Willitson pitched pretty well uh, for what he's been – Uh, known to do uh, in his time in Raleigh but like you said I think this team just fought and I told Meet that you know I called the the UCF game uh, yesterday and so I went down to during BP and then we were chatting and I told Meet like you can't teach fight right like you can't teach a team to have heart you can work on better at bats you can work on fielding you can work on uh, hitting your spots and, and trying to reduce walks from the pitching staff you can't teach a team to not give up and that's an identity and a chemistry thing. I think that's personality. Uh, and Meade agreed. He said, this team will fight you. And he said, that's what I'm most proud of is that, no, we're not playing perfect baseball right now, but look at the teams we're playing. And for us to go down the way that we did after, uh, I think it was Brown who hit the two-run homer, for Terrell to just – I think we expect Alex Terrell now uh, to just have the big moment when, he, when he's called upon. But Meade joked, and he said, the, that ball that he hit, I think all of us – had a feeling like it was coming. It was like no one in that dugout felt like we were losing the game, even down five to three. So um, this team is going to fight. Folks, it's March. I mean, Florida State's not going to look the same now as they will in April. I mean, in May, not in June. Seasons evolve, and that's the whole point. And what you're looking for right now are trends. And I think there are some uh, some trends that are a little bit concerning in some areas, but I also think more often than not, I end up being happy with this team. Like, there are games where I'm just like, dang, they did this, or they did this well. Uh, Jaime Ferrer had four hits. Wow, this kid can really hit. Or I'm like, how about Reese Albert this weekend playing really well in the doubleheader? That's a, a good find. Uh, then you get excited about Logan Lacey and the moments that he has and, and Terrell has. And then uh, you get excited about Jordan Carrion's game against UCF. Uh, there's a lot to like about this baseball team right now, and I think we saw that this weekend. Yeah, and I think I think you're just seeing that this team can win in different ways. There's there's days where the home run ball isn't there, and they do things in other ways, and there's days that the home run ball is there, and that helps them win games. Um, you know, last year it was just home run ball or nothing. Um, so to see them win games in different ways has been exciting. Um, the thing that's exciting for me is, you know, this team, this team still hasn't clicked for one weekend. Like, there hasn't been a, a week where everybody's going at the same time or every pitcher has been, you know, their best between the bullpen and, and starters. Um, 
there's going to be weekends where it all comes together because I think every guy at this point has showed you something, has showed you what they can do. Alex has showed you what he can do recently with the homers. Uh, Logan's Logan. Um, you know, obviously your pitchers do what they do at some, you know, there's going to be another weekend soon. I think where all three of these guys are really good, ex- except for, you know, instead of, you know, two, two of three are really good or something like that. Um, you know, overall, just to talk about more of the pitching from the weekend, um, you know, Bryce gives up four and runs on his line, but thought he pitched well. Um, it was good to see the command come back. Fastball was sharp. He was efficient. Uh, I mean, that, that sixth inning, uh, NC State lays down four bunts in a row, I think. That was about as annoying as it gets. Um, didn't play it well defensively, and, and those kind of things happens on you. unravels a little bit there. But, um, you know, he misplayed a couple of them, and the other two were kind of just perfect bunts. Uh, but overall, I thought Bryce threw the ball well. Um, that game just got away from them um, in the seventh inning when, you know, Simmons comes in and, you know, allows four straight hits. And, um, you know, I thought it was good to see Dylan Jacobs get an opportunity, though, um, in the following inning, uh, I think believe, believe before, you know, the, the injury to Charles that we weren't going to see him this year. But, you know, he's, you know, throws that, comes down and, you know, gave up three runs. But I thought it was good to see him throw. I think 92, 94 was what he was. That's the hardest he's ever been, I think. Um, I still think that's a kid that's got going to be a potential really good bullpen arm for, for next year and years to come. Um, Ross was really good again on Sunday. Six innings, no earned runs, nine Ks. Um, yeah, he's just showing you every week that he's ready for this. Um, you know, the questions about him can go away. He's going to be FSU's weekend starter all year. All three of these guys are going to be FSU's weekend starters all year if they're healthy. Um, uh, you know, Carson obviously is throwing pretty well, and we're going to talk about Carson here in a little bit. But, you know, these these three guys have given you no know, reason to take them out, um, and they're going to stick with them, I think. Those are just their three best arms. They were the three best arms in preseason, and, you know what you're going to get from those guys. Um, and then the bullpen in that, that last game um, was really, really good. Uh, Wyatt, 5.1 scoreless, finally shows you what he can really do. Davis, 3.1 scoreless, probably Davis's best outing at Florida State. Um, the splitter was insane. It, it was just a complete invisible. Um, so it's good to see those guys put it together for an outing. And, um, you know, Wyatt's the MVP of that win and, and maybe that series. You don't win that series without Wyatt giving you that effort. Um, I don't think you really had any bullpen arms left after him. That was huge. I mean, those two deserve a lot of credit. I mean, Wyatt Crowell, who, like you said, I think he needed that. And he had been pitching to the capabilities that he has. And he's disgusting. Like, his stuff is so good. Um, and Meat said it right in post game. That's the Wyatt Crowell that we know. And that's the one that we've seen all preseason um, and into the year. So uh, Davis also deserves a lot of credit. I thought, again, like you said, Davis comes in and, if that split finger is playing the way that it is, he's on. He's almost unhittable. And so you need the, the veteran experience there in the back end of the bullpen. And we talked about that, though. We said when Davis came back, would that be a chance for someone to kind of maybe calm the waters a little bit for this bullpen who I thought up until that point hadn't been performing to the level that it needed to be? Um, so the bullpen, I thought, overall on the weekend was great. I was a little perplexed in the, the second game. Why, you know? Six to three ball game. I know Meat's trying to figure out how to pitch uh, both games of a doubleheader, um, but it was six to three, you know, and it was the seventh inning, and you still had a chance. And uh, I just kind of felt like Florida State. I don't want to say they threw in the towel of game two because I don't know that that's true, but I just I, I don't think that FSU was playing to win the game the way that you you should be, and that that one kind of confused me a little bit. Um, but again, they responded well in game three and. 
Um, Parker, I thought Friday uh, just had some bad moments. I think he pitched well for like the first four innings, and I know there were some long innings that he had to sit in the dugout for because Florida State's offense was really, really good uh, on on Saturday, I should say, on that in game one. Um, but I am a little concerned. Parker's walked six in his last two starts when he had only walked uh, three combined in his first like 20 innings. So that's something I know he'll want to clean up and he'll probably tell you that himself that he can't be giving free passes away. Um, but I also think it's because maybe Parker's been trying to be a little bit too perfect at times, um, nibbling on, on some pitches that it's just like what makes Parker Messick so good is when he's just attacking you and he's fearless and he comes after uh, the zone. And I, like you said, I think he expects, like he said it was, he, he told you he was close to, to being dominant again. And uh, I expect this weekend against Duke for Parker to come out and, and be one of the premier Friday night guys in, in college baseball, but the stuff's still good. I mean, there hasn't been a single start for Parker where he hasn't struck out at least seven. Um, he's given you six, he gave you six against NC state. So even when he's not, at the Parker Messick level that we know, he's going deep into ball games and saving your bullpen. Um, that's impressive. And then Bryce was the same way, wasn't he? I mean, it was like the stuff was good, and he looked dominant at times, and there were just a couple of pitches here and there that got away. And I do think you have to credit NC State. I think that lineup is a lot better than people think. That lineup just makes you cry. They don't strike out much. I think they came into the weekend only striking out six times a game. Um, a lot of their guys only had like six Ks on the season. Coming into the weekend, and honestly, they might have more than that now. Um, yeah, it's a good lineup. It's a well-coached lineup. They got some talent. Um, you know, obviously, Tommy White showed showed you what you can do and what he can do in that Saturday game with a couple of homers. Um, but, you know, I, I I know people were really upset with Florida State's hitting on on Sunday, but you know, I didn't think they were awful in that that second game of the series. Um, just had a few Adam Adam balls. Really didn't strike out a ton through the first two games, you know, only 18 in two games. I mean, that's nine a game. You can live with that for sure. Um, you honestly can live with 10 a game. This the way baseball works now. It's just there's going to be strikeouts, man. Like, arms are getting better and better. Um, you know, obviously you can't strike out as much as you did in that extra inning game. I mean, you struck out 28 times. But, I mean, people got to realize these kids were in their 20-plus 20, 20 inning of the day. You're, you're going to start to have bad at-bats. You're going to start to flail. You're going to start to press. Um, everybody's just trying to end the game at some point. They did um, play 17 <clears throat> innings, by the way. Yeah. Like, like, you have to add – like, you can't, you can't judge strikeouts when you play two games in one. You, you played two games in one. You can't judge a team's talent um, or how they're going to be for a full year off of a 17-inning game on the back end of a doubleheader. Like, yeah, they made five errors, but – Dude, I doesn't tell me like players are tired, man. It, the weather was not good all weekend. The field conditions were a little rough. Um, errors are going to happen. But players are going to get tired. What I'm saying is five errors in 17 innings is not the same thing as five errors well, in right, nine innings. Right. Exactly. 28 strikeouts in 17 innings is not the same thing. I mean, if it's tw- <laughs> if you right. struck out 28 times in nine innings, well, that's the whole. Not <laughs> that's possible. More, that's not yeah. possible. That's the game. That's the entire game. So but that's I, why when people freak out, I'm like, listen, they did play 17 innings. Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, kids are just going to start to press, like I said, and everyone's trying to hit a home run in that game. Um, and I mean, they struck out a ton that game too. I mean, they had 26 strikeouts, and they're a team that just don't strike out much. Kids just get tired, start to flail at stuff. Um, yeah, it is what it is, man. Like. To just come out of that game with a win, I don't really take anything else away from that game except for a win. Um, everything else about it, 
I take kind of erase it. You remember Jaime, you remember Alex's home run and you remember Jaime's home run. And I think you also got to point out, you know, B Rob's big hit in the fifth inning. Um, he's been slumping recently, but he gets you that hit to drive into and Jaime also scores when he kind of dekes the catcher at home plate. That's another huge hit. You have to remember that from that game. So you get three big hits the rest of the game. You mostly struggle at the plate to, to, to get that last run in. Um, you know, they did have a, a good, you know, a lot of hits, but the strikeouts were there. Um, you guys are just tired. Overall, I thought Reese Albert had a really good weekend at the plate, like you mentioned, three for five with three walks in that last game. He looks really good right now. Isn't <clears throat> yeah. He carried it over into the UCF matchup, too. Yeah, I think some of his best swings I've ever seen from him have been in the last few games. Um, you know, Logan was really good on the weekend, too, I thought. I think he extended his hitting streak to 13 through the weekend. Um, so really good to see those two guys come through for you. And then um, Alex in the big moments did it when it mattered. Um, Colton, before he got subbed down to that Sunday game, thought was his best game of the season so far was two for four. I think he also threw a runner out. Um, he's starting to play a lot better, starting to hit a lot better, and he's starting to do some small things as well for you. So um, good to see him. Um, I think his average is almost up to 200 now. Uh, if you play 200, if you hit around 200 um, and play good defense, I know people don't want anybody to hit 200, but that's profiling at the catcher position in college. Uh, if FSU's getting that from Colton Vincent, I, they'll be just fine, to be honest. I think small things, too, that, that stood out to me. You've been high on A.J. Shaver ever since he got to Tallahassee and, and stepped foot on campus. And I thought in that first game where Florida State won 13-5, you saw what Shaver's capable of, a couple of base hits. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they, they wanted to get A.J. in the lineup against the lefty to, to see what he could do. Hadn't played in a while after, you know, not seeing the ball great to start the season. Uh, I think AJ had a 112 exit velocity double off the top of that brick wall in center, um, which is a bogus call when they've sent the runner back. But um, yeah, I mean, AJ's got as much talent as anybody on this team, as much raw power, um, faster than anybody not named by Isaiah Perry. I know on Sunday, a lot of people on our board, uh, 247, were pretty upset that they subbed in Shaver for Tibbs. But I mean, Tibbs is probably average to a little above average runner. Well, Shaver is, he's got some real speed, like six, three, six, four, 60. Um, you, you don't win this baseball game. If AJ Shaver doesn't beat out an infield single right before Alex Terrell's home run. Uh, I think people need to remember that, um, you know, AJ, you know, did miss a couple of chances to end the game. Um, you know, people were also upset when he started, started over Tibbs on, on, on Saturday, but, um, he's got as much talent as, on, on it, as anybody on this team. And if he puts it together, that that's a complete difference maker. So they've they've got to give him opportunities to get going. Um, like you said, I've always really loved AJ's talent. Uh, just needs to be refined a little bit in his approach to the plate. Um, he's a good defender. He's he, he has a good arm, really fast. Like I said, and and he's got he's got Elijah Cabell power when when he when he makes contact. Uh, can we give a shout out to Tibbs? Uh, five base hits now in his last three games. I mean that's impressive, and he continues to to hit at a high level. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what game it was where he was struggling. I think it was the the game against Bethune Cookman where he was struggling a little bit for his first three at bats. Then he went backside home run in his last AB. Um, I've really liked his swings since then. Um, he's used a lot the opposite side of the field a lot. Um, he had two hits in that game that FSU dropped against NC State, and then um, you know had another hit. I think he had a double against NC State, um, and like you said, it was good against UCF as well. Uh, I believe all his hits recently have been to the pole side, maybe besides one single. But um, when he's using the whole field, I think that's when he's at his best. And, 
he's got the type of power to put it out that opposite way as well. Uh, I mean, like you've seen, he's already put two in the bullpen this year. Um, and, I mean, and BP all the time, he can almost clear the scoreboard to the opposite field. So um, that's some real juice. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, spend some time talking about Carson Montgomery. 10-2 to win over UCF last night. Florida State, six runs in the fourth inning and really never looked back after that. But Montgomery was the story without a doubt. Career high in innings pitched with seven. Um, and it seemed like early on he got that pitching, uh, the, the mound visit from pitching coach Jimmy Bellinger. And right after that, he went into like uh, a mode that I don't think we've seen from Carson since he got to Tallahassee. Like we've seen it in spurts, but to go seven innings and pitch the way that he did, I think that's a, a step in the maturation process for him. Yeah, I think you saw Carson put it together the most he's ever put it together at Florida State last night. Um, well, he definitely have. But, you know, after that second, that mound visit in the second, um, I've never seen him attack the zone the way he has before. Um, and there was something else that I really liked from him that Meat mentioned after the game. It was just that even when he missed, the misses weren't big. I think what we've seen out of Carson a lot is, you know, maybe the strike rate will be up, but the misses are really big sometimes with the fastball and with the breaking ball and just not competitive pitches. I think the key for him last night was – every pitch felt competitive. Um, UCF hitters had to think about every pitch. They had to make a decision on every pitch instead of, you know, that pitch isn't anywhere close. Uh, from the third inning on, it felt like everything was around the zone. Um, there weren't misses with the fastball up. Um, felt like he was just really slowed down in his mechanics, was stressing his stuff. Um, thought pitch calling was good. Um, it's just really good to see Carson throw this way. I mean, seven innings on only, what, 80-some pitches, I think. Uh, I mean, if that's a closer game, he's probably back out there. Um, he really could have gone a complete game, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it's just so good to see him put it together. And I don't think people realize how young Carson still still is. Uh, Carson got to Florida State as a 17-year-old. He's still five months away from turning 20. There's still maturation left in that process. Uh, we've seen a lot of it so far. And I know the, you know the results didn't come as fast as people wanted them or expected them. Um, but they're starting to come, and I think it's going to pay off for Carson um, the rest of this year and especially next year for sure. Heard on uh, some local radio talk here in Tallahassee about how Carson, you know, if he pitches this way, could move into the weekend rotation. And, uh, folks, I think I'm here to tell you, and I think uh, Brett will back me on this, that that is, like, nearly impossible for Florida State barring injury. Um Parker and Bryce are going to be your one-two, and Ross Dunn's pitching better than anyone in the ACC right now. So, <laughs> uh, it just if anything, Carson pitching this way just shows you how spoiled Florida State is. Um, Carson's likely next year if he continues to pitch at a high level in your weekend rotation with Ross Dunn, um, but I don't see Montgomery moving into the weekend rotation. Uh, barring an injury, I'm knocking on wood because I don't want that to happen to either of your first three frontline guys. Yeah, why Why can't we just have four good starters? Like, why do we have to always be having a conversation about, hmm, maybe this guy is a little bit better and as this – but it's just like, let's just keep guys in their roles for now. You're winning games. You're winning series. You have no reason to change your week in rotation. Carson's winning you midweek games. You have no reason to change that. Um the only thing that I've thought about and, and I could see happening is moving Carson to maybe a closer role at the end of the year. But for now, I mean, Carson's developing in that midweek role. He's showing you positive um, developments. There's no reason to, 
fix. There's no reason to change what's working for you. It's just that's how it is. You got four really good starters, and they're in the right order for now. If you're winning baseball games, and they are, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's comfortable in that role. He's finally found himself, found his identity. I mean, three weeks ago, Carson didn't have a career win, and now he has three wins. So, Yeah, you know, I think it's because people were enamored when Carson – decided to come to Florida State over getting drafted early uh, in the MLB draft, uh, I guess, before last season. Um, and Carson's stuff is premium. Like, yes, I think when he's on, it's right there with Ross in terms of just, like, it's next-level stuff. But like Brett said, that's the best teams in the country. When we've talked about Vandy and we've talked about Louisville in the past and we've talked about the Gators with when O'Sullivan had them at their prime, we always talked about it's not just three guys that they have. They will run out four, five, sometimes six arms that can overwhelm you. Um, and I think Carson, that's where – I think that's the peak for him for this season is to be able to come in and be great depth uh, for, for this staff. But no doubt, Montgomery's future is as a, as a weekend guy, but I just think you have to kind of let that progress and, and happen naturally. Carson, Ross Dunn, and Jackson Ball might all might be top ten picks. All next, like, and they're all draft eligible next year. Um, Bryce and Parker are both probably top two rounds, maybe both top first round. Crowell's probably a top three round arm. I mean, yeah, it's just this is the staff that we tried to tell you was possible in the preseason when everybody was coming in and came back. This is what Florida State expects to do. They expect to overwhelm some people, and that's another reason why I think you know we were a little concerned about the bullpen. Probably a mid-level concern about the bullpen early in the year, but we said, you know, there's still there's pieces, man. Like the arms are there, the stuff is there. Guys just got to do it. They got to see it. They got to learn how to do it in certain moments. And I mean, then you're gonna have some reliable arms, some really good arms that you know can get you one out or can get you a lot of outs. I mean, you have that with Quell, you have that with Nazu. Davis showed a capability to do that. You know, Jonah can do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. You know, the ERA is not as – it doesn't – you know, it's not amazing. It's not as low as it was last year at 3.61. Um, but, you know, numbers don't always tell the story. And I just think that the staff is is just starting to kind of hit, hit its stride a little bit. Um, you know, obviously you gave up 13 to NC State on – you gave up 13 to NC State on that second game. But, I mean, most of that is late in the game. It just got away from you. Yeah, you only had six until, like, the eighth inning. Yeah. Something like that. And that's a really good lineup. I mean, that's probably one of the yeah. better lineups maybe – Probably like top three in the, in the ACC. You also use some of your arms that I don't think you would use in high leverage situations. Yeah. That, and that's why I say I was confused by the tactics of that game, too, because I felt like you're a walk, a single, and a home run away from tying the game with three innings to play. But anyway, Florida State wins the series. Uh, they bounce back with a nice uh, win as well uh, against UCF. Uh, Brett, you're waving at me. I think you got something else you want to touch on. Speaking of numbers don't always tell the truth and, you know, local radio shows, I know we were listening to something that said, you know, they're not any better defensively this year. It's They're not good defensively still because the numbers are basically the same. Uh, Florida State, I mean, you're just – you're not watching games if you don't think this team is better defensively. Your shortstop has two errors and has 971 fielding percentage and has made some insane plays. Um, I mean, let's just go around the whole freaking field. Catcher, you know, obviously you're not getting what you are at the plate, but 
Nelly and Colton are pretty similar where, you know, Matt probably had a better arm. And, um, but I think Colton makes up for that with his blocking a lot of balls. And, you know, both of them have some pass ball issues. Um, but I think you're pretty even there. First base, you're a lot better. Alex is, you know, has range issues, but he's so much better with his footwork around the base, saves you runs. I mean, Jackson has made more errors so far this year, but that's the same guy. So you're not losing anything there. Shortstop, yeah. I think we all know the difference there. Third base is the one position for me where I think it's not nearly as good last year, but, heck, Logan might start playing there all the time now. Left field is better. Right field is better. And I think center field is way better when Logan's out there, and it's also better when Reese is out there as well. What do you think of Logan at third base? I like. I mean, I think Logan's this team's best third baseman. I think Logan's this team's best center fielder. Um, Logan's just a freaking good baseball player. Like everything he does, he does well. Um, he's so fun to watch. Um, you know, I think we were talking about we were talking about it before getting on the pod. Which one we? I mean, what we think is more valuable. Um, you know, I think it matters more so what's your drop off to the next option. Um, you know, I just think Logan is really stable at both those spots. I think it depends on what you're getting from the rest of the lineup, who you have available. Um, you know, right now I think having him in at third might be your best option with with Roberts DHing. Um, you know, if to ty- if Tyler was to come back, then I would probably put Brett at second um, and DH Tyler. Um, but we'll see. I think you just gotta you gotta see how Reese handles out out there for a couple games after you know he practiced in right most of the most of the fall and spring. Um, so we'll see. Um, either way, I think Logan's going to be really solid no matter where he plays. Definitely. One last shout-out, Brock Mathis still hitting tanks. I mean, he – Oppo uh, in game two, um, very clear that, that Brock continues to need at-bats. Uh, they've got to find him um, more opportunities, and I think they will uh, as the season goes along. So, um, all right, that's, I think, what we've got for the NC State series. UCF 10-2, to I think we've touched on that pretty well. I'm a fan of Connor Whitaker, by the way. I think he's come in and uh, really showed you some things in his first season. Yeah, I think I had mentioned a couple times in the pod um, before the season that I liked, you know, I liken Connor Whitaker to Connor Grady. Um, I think we're seeing that early on. Uh, has two eight nine ERA and nine point one innings. Um, he's only given up five hits, only given up two two walks. Just throws strikes, um, induces weak contact with a lot of movement, and pitches for three pitches for strikes. One fifty two average against. Um, he's going to be an arm that's really valuable for FSU for a long time. Um, but overall, that Tuesday performance, that's the most impressed that I've been with this team, leaving Dick Hauser since I've been here, covering the team for the last four years. Um, just with the context of Sunday, uh, I mean, you, you, you're 40 hours removed from playing a triple header, basically, um, and a game the day before that as well. And you put together your most complete performance of the season, maybe your most complete performance since Meat became head coach. Um, you know, I know it's a midweek game. It was against, you know, UCF's down a couple arms, but their starter was a Florida transfer, so obviously there's talent there. Um, I thought the swings were really good all day. Uh, I, thought that was, I thought that fourth inning might have been FSU's best offensive inning of the season, just maybe not the most production. I mean, six runs, I, I don't know for sure if that's a season high. I don't think it is. Um, but man, the swings were so good. Every ball was going where it should go. A lot of hits to the backside, attacking the fastball. That's what Meat wants it to look like. Um, and you know, there's still 13 Ks, and you know, I know a couple people were worried about Logan, but I mean, Logan had a 13 game hitting streak coming into that game. It's it's 
it's baseball. Like you're going to fail 70% of the times and you're going to have games where you're just not good at the plate. But Logan made a diving play at third, stole a hit. He does things, every game he does things to affect it in a good way for Florida State, even if he's not doing well at the plate. I could care less if Logan goes 0 for 5 with 4Ks for one game. I just overall, um, it's hard for me to be any more happy, more pleased with that, that, with that performance as a team. Just the effort, everything about it. Meat was extremely pleased after the game. Um, you know, didn't, didn't really, it was not fun watching Kyle McMullen get hurt again. Um, have to say that's one of the nicest kids I've ever met. One of the most just really personable kids. Um, you know, he's really struggled with injuries since he's been here, but he's always been upbeat, a nice kid to talk to. Um, really one of the leaders for this team. And Meet mentioned, you know, he's the fan favorite in the, in the clubhouse. Um, you know, so hope it's not too serious for Kyle, um, but just feel so bad for him. Yeah, that was really a downer after such a strong game for Florida State. Um, you could see Kyle was very frustrated leaving the dugout and having to head back and into the clubhouse area. And, um, man, he's just battled a lot, you know. And there was a time where Florida State had some big plans for McMullen, and they were hoping he could be a, a big contributor uh, either in the midweek or, or find a way to, to earn a Sunday spot potentially when he came in from JUCO. And uh, he means a lot, like you said, to that clubhouse. And, and he really is a veteran presence. And, you know, I think we're all just praying that, the injury is not severe and that um, maybe it's just something that, you know, he'll be out for a little bit, but it's not something that requires surgery or, you know, you're thinking about the kid's well-being for his life, not just baseball and uh, just hoping that, that it ends up not being um, as serious as, as I hope and as I thought it might be when, when he left. Yeah. And I just have one more thing from that UCF game. Um, I think Jordan Carrion showed you what he needs to be at the plate. Uh, you know, he's not going to go three for three every game like he did last night, but putting the ball on the ground, doing things with his legs, bunting. That's Jordan Carrion. That's when Jordan Carrion's really good. Um, you know, I think his average had dipped down to like 210 at one point. Um, now it's back up to 267. I've always thought Jordan could be about a 270 hitter here that just gets on base, runs bases, isn't going to hit for power, but he's going to put together quality at bats to the bottom of the lineup, and I just thought it was really good to see that. Um, one other thing, in 54 games last year, Terrell had seven homers, seven doubles, and 29 RBIs. So far this year, in 20 games, he has six doubles, no, eight doubles, already more than last year, six homers and 23 RBIs. It's pretty, yeah, I think that's better than D1 Baseball's, what, 70th best transfer? Yeah, he's definitely come right in, and, I mean, he's made a difference uh, completely. And, yeah, I think, I just think FSU's a better baseball team than they were last year, and um, they definitely are better than they were uh, in 2019 when they made Omaha like that team was not very good but that team figured out how to get hot at the right time so that's why it's important to be able to I think evaluate a team as a season goes along and, and do it properly um, and this team has a shot to do some special things Brett let's look ahead to Duke because I think uh, you know as ACC play continues the challenges are always different depending on the club that comes in and the ACC presents a, a really good look um, uh, teams that do a lot of different things, right? And uh, I think Duke uh, has been uh, one of the more underrated programs in college baseball over the last five years. And uh, Coach Pollard has done such an outstanding job over there in the Durham area. They are struggling a little bit 
this year, looking at their record at 11 and 10. I know that's not going to impress anybody. Uh, for those of you who probably are also Googling them and trying to find out some things and looking at their stats, but they are talented. And it's a team that I think will be playing better by season's end than they are currently, which I think is why you have to be very cautious that this is not the weekend that Duke comes in and figures some things out. But uh, they're 11-10, and 2-4 and four in the ACC. They've lost series to Virginia and North Carolina, uh, but they did take a game from both. And so um, they do uh, a lot of things well. They'll, they'll pitch it at a pretty high level. Um, they've got some starters that are capable. Um, the team ERA as a whole, not impressive at 529, um, but their starters have some really good stuff. And they've got some guys in the back end of the bullpen that if Florida State's down late, uh, it, it could make for a challenge. They, they play pretty good defense, and they've got some talented bats in the lineup as well. And um, over the last couple of years, Brett, they've given Florida State uh, a pretty strong fight uh, in the weekends. Yeah, I mean, Duke's a team that's always going to be well coached. Um, Pollard obviously does a really good job there. Um, and, you know, I, I always just expect them to field well and then pitch the ball well and throw strikes and put together A-Bs. Um, like you said, I mean, they've struggled so far this year, but it's a team that honestly scares me a little bit. As one of those teams, it's kind of a you know sleeping giant a little bit. Uh, I really liked Duke coming into the year. They had so many returners on both sides of the ball that you know have track track records that are well. But you know some of these guys just have struggled more than ever before to start the year, and they've also dealt with some injuries. Uh, I think you know R.J. Shrek, their best player, outfielder, missed I think seven games with a shoulder injury or something early in, you know earlier in the year. Um, believe he's back now, so he'll be. Um, you know, probably hitting right in the heart of the order for them. Uh, but, I mean, they're just a really talented team with guys that haven't played up to their potential yet, to be honest. And, um, you know, I think it was Wake last year that they had a bunch of guys with track records as well, and it, it felt like, you know, they were kind of a sleeping giant coming into Tallahassee, and they ended up scoring a ton of runs and winning two or three. Um, so I know they're 11-10, and 10 and people will probably just, you know, think they're not a good baseball team because of that. And, you know, think FSU should sweep this series, but FSU is going to have to play well this weekend. Um, they're going to have to play good baseball around, throw strikes, and field the ball well. Um, you know, Duke's a team that will take advantage of mistakes, I think. Without a doubt. And I, uh, who are some names that you think Seminole fans need to keep an eye on this weekend at Hauser? Yeah, so RJ Shrek, like I mentioned, is, is Duke's best player. Um, last year he had 337 with 18 home runs. Um, this year so far in 14 games, sitting 340 with five homers. Um, never really strikes down, only six Ks so far this year. Um, you know, I think he has more walks than he does um, strike counts. Um, does run a little bit as well. Only one stolen base this year, but had 11 last year. Um, just a really good player. Um, you know, I got to see him a good bit this summer, played for Katuit. Um, and he just puts the ball on the bat and makes things happen. Um, Chad Knight's hitting 333 for them. Um, was, you know, didn't play a ton for them last year. I think he was, you know, kind of a spot starter for them and a pinch hitter. Um, but this year he's hitting 333, um, couple home runs, four doubles. Uh, he's probably they're going to be their DH, I believe. Uh, Graham Paul, he's also hitting 310. Um, he has four home runs and eight doubles. A couple other names to look at in the lineup. Chris Crabtree is the one guy that's really struggled for them this, so far this year that can be really good. Last year he hit 279 with 13 homers in 50 games. So far this year he's only hitting 190 and only has two home runs. Uh, but he has a ton of raw pop. Believe he is a left-handed hitter, so you know I think he'll be he might be trying to break out this weekend um, at Hauser in the short porch to right. Um, another name to look out for is Alex Mooney. He was the best freshman to reach campus this year, I believe. 
by a perfect game. Um, you know, he's only hitting 225 so far this year, uh, but he's a really talented shortstop. He can do some things, um, you know, has tools all across the board. So if you're not careful with him, uh, he, w- he will do some damage as well. Yeah, and then uh, on the mound, we believe the weekend rotation will be something along the lines of Marcus jo- uh, Marcus Johnson, 6'6", righty. Uh, really good stuff, high strikeout rate. Uh, I believe he started in their bullpen a couple years ago and has played against Florida State before. Uh, Luke Fox and Billy Seidel, I think, is going to be some order of that. Not for sure. Um, Cooper Stinson was a name that I guess got moved to the midweek this season, but Stinson really shoved against Florida state two years ago in that, uh, COVID shortened season, uh, up in Durham. I think he went like five innings and struck out seven and then Florida state lost that game four to three. But, uh, what do you expect from, from this rotation for Duke? Uh, I guess Seidel also was the one who started against Florida state last year in the ACC tournament and pitched pretty well. He seems to have some good stuff too. Yeah, so Duke's rotation has struggled so far this year. Um, but they were the number – I thought coming into the season they were the best rotation outside of Florida State. Um, I mean, Marcus Johnson, their Friday guy, uh, was a dominant closer last year with really, really good stuff. Um, last year he had seven saves and a 305 ERA in 56 innings. Um, K-59 guys had a 196 average against. Um, so far this year he has a 455 ERA and he's lost four of his five starts. Uh, but he does have 39 Ks and 27.2 innings. Just looks like he's been getting hit, hit a little bit and giving up some home runs. Um, you know, I do believe he runs his fastball into the mid-90s. I remember watching him last year at the ACC tournament and just being like, who the heck is this guy? I mean, I mean, he was dominant. I believe – I don't know for sure, but I think he might have been the ACC pitcher of the tournament. Um, think, you know, definitely believe he was on the tournament team. Um, Saturday guy is Luke Fox. Uh, Fox was a really, really good freshman last year, freshman arm. Last year he had 305 ERA in 56 innings, and he strikes down a ton of, ton of guys. 76 Ks in 56 innings last year. Uh, moved into their rotation late in the year and was, uh, I think he made nine starts the last nine weekends. Uh, but so far this year he's really struggled. 7.52 ERA, um, giving up 27 hits in 20 innings, um, 307 average against eight doubles. Um, be interested to see how FSU sets up the lineup against him as he's a lefty. Um, but his stuff's too good. Like, like he could put it together one day this weekend, um, and you'd be like, how is FSU not hitting a, a guy with a 7.52 ERA? Uh, but, I mean, he was really good last year. Uh, I believe he tossed a shutout or, you know, like seven scoreless innings in the ACC tournament. Um, and then their Sunday starter, Billy Seidel, might have the best stuff of them. Um, throws up to 95 miles per hour with a good slider. Um, 30 Ks in 23 innings this year. Almost um, has the best numbers so far, the 386 ERA, um, 175 average against. Um, Reliever-wise, Jimmy Loper is their closer. Really good um, arm with a lot of track record as well. Last year to 3 ERA in 45 innings. So far this year is a 2-4-1 ERA in 26 Ks and 18.2 innings. Yeah, Loper's also a guy, by the way, they use the same way that Florida State used Jack Anderson at times, where if he has to go three innings to close a thing down, he'll do it. And so um, that's something Loper's done a lot of in his career. And again, this season, if you look at it, eight appearances, 18 innings, which means he's not just a guy who's coming in for one inning at a time. Uh, They'll run him out there for a couple innings. Yeah, that's one thing that scares me about Duke, where it feels like if they've got a lead through six, where they can just go to Loper to shut it down for the last three, um, 
you know, kind of a well-built right-handed pitcher that can run it into, you know, up to 93, 94, and has two breaking balls that are both good, slider and curveball. Um, so, you know, I hope, you got to hope you don't get in a situation where he could come shut the door on you. Yeah, so I think two out of three this weekend should be the goal. If you can move to six and three on the year in the ACC after three weekends, you're feeling pretty good. If you sweep Duke and you're at seven and two, you're starting to talk about uh, Florida State making a, a major run here in the middle of the season. But uh, I do think the only thing that would disappoint me this weekend is if you lost the series, uh, getting swept would be a disaster. I don't think Duke's I don't think Duke's playing well enough to sweep anybody right now. Um, so I think the expectation is two out of three, knock on wood, for some good weather so that you're not having to have the same catastrophes that you had last weekend with playing basically three games in one day and um, having to sit out Friday. I mean, that's weird, you know, not playing Friday when a team's been here on Thursday um, and you're kind of building up to that. Uh, that's weird for Messick to have to wait an extra day when he's on routine. And, uh, of course, the 17-inning day was, was crazy as well. But um, two out of three? Yeah, I think that would be my expectation, and obviously a sweep would be, you know, really good. Um, but I think even when Duke hasn't been playing great, I mean, like you said, they've taken one against Virginia and UNC, and those have been two of the hotter teams to start the year. I mean, they also took one from Baylor and, you know, had a close Friday game. Um, so, yeah, despite the record, I think this is a team that's going to come in and challenge you, um, you know, like you're going to be challenged most ACC weekends. Um, so I think, you know, we'll see if – those Duke arms can get it together this weekend. Um, if not, I think FC will have a chance to sweep. But like you said, I think expectation should be two and a three. Yeah, their offense, though, I do think has a chance for Florida State to overwhelm. If they if they continue to play the way that they have recently, uh, I do think FSU's arms can really kind of neutralize that lineup for much of the weekend. I mean, I think they just lost, what, 14 to three to William and Mary on Tuesday, so sure. yesterday which I think that's alarming when you get blown out by William and Mary. But again, weekends are different from midweeks. And if you're Florida State, you want to come out, play good baseball. Brett, you and I chatted last night. We were saying it's never really about the other team. It's always about Florida State. Just worry about yourself. Worry about how you play the game because you have the talent to meet your end goal of the season. For sure. And I think – like we talked about earlier, you know, if the, if everyone starts to put together at the same time, um, it's going to be a really hard team to beat. And even like right now, even with this team still developing, if they just play, I mean, if they played every game the way they played on Tuesday, um, they would not lose many games at all. Um, and the games they've lost, they've made mistakes. Um, you know, outside of that NC State game on Saturday, like or Sunday, sorry, the first game on Sunday, you know, no teams just run away with a game from Florida State. It's just felt like you know, one or two more plays that, they, that FSU executed and they win the game. So, um, yeah, Meade always says it. You know, it's about Florida State. It's about them. Um, and I, I, I totally believe that, to be honest, against this ACC schedule this year. All right, quick look at the national slate before we ask some questions. Uh, answer some questions, I should say. Uh, you guys have asked the questions. Um, things that stood out in the middle of the week real quick. Wake Forest. Pounded Liberty, number 15 ranked Liberty, 13 to 6. That's a good Wake Forest team. We've been trying to tell you that that, that has a chance to be special. Uh, Clemson, number 24 team in the country, got taken to the woodshed by Coastal Carolina, 16 to 7. I think we're starting to find out that Clemson may not be all that. Gonzaga fell to Oregon, 9 to 5 at home. Florida squeaked one out in Gainesville against Bethune, 3 to 2. Um, and then I think that's 
really all that stood out for me uh, nationally for for the midweek. We've got some good weekend series, though, Brett. How about uh, LSU at Florida? Top 25 matchup. The Knowles will play the Gators next Tuesday in Jacksonville. Then you got another good SEC battle. Number five, Tennessee at Ole Miss. That one in Oxford should be a lot of fun for three. Texas Tech hosting Texas. So you got a 16 versus two matchup there. And um, UNC goes to Miami. I think that's a series Miami can win down in Coral Gables. So um, should be a lot of fun, I think, this weekend around the country. Yeah. I'm sh- I mean, I think series are going to get better and better. I think SEC played started last weekend. Um, I don't think there were many very good series, though. I believe it was mostly like their top teams playing the bottom teams. But um, I think there's a big series this weekend at Ole Miss. I believe they're playing Tennessee, I want to say, top 10 matchup. Um, I think they already sold out all three of their games. So, um, I mean, we know what that environment looks like. So, sure, that will be a fun one to watch. Um, I think we just keep learning a little bit more about these ACC teams every weekend. Um, so, I think just see things get more and more interesting and probably get see rankings get more and more, you know, jumbled up at the top, I think. I think we're also going to find out what Virginia's made of this weekend in Wake Forest. They go to Winston-Salem for yeah, that, free. That's a really interesting series, I think. Because Wake, I mean, Winst, uh, excuse me, I keep bumbling Winston-Salem and Wake. I'm trying to talk about Virginia. Uh, the Who's are red hot. I think they have like one loss all year, and that's to Duke, uh, seven to six. But I'm looking at this schedule, and let me just run through who they've played so far, okay? Towson, Boston College, Ryder, Duke, George Washington, Penn State, William & Mary, Cornell, VMI, New Jersey Tech, I didn't know that even existed. Uh, Gardner-Webb, and I don't know how to say this, Bellarmine? Yeah, I, I... I don't know how to say that. That's like the new A-Sun school, I think. That was D2. Virginia's been literally playing a Charmin, like, tissue paper level schedule. Uh, and they're ranked 10th. And people are falling in love with them because of their record. And, and I'm not saying that I don't think Virginia's good, Brett. I don't know. I'm saying we're going to find out a little bit more about them as ACC play kind of ramps up for them. I personally did not think Virginia would be good this year coming into the year. Um, you know, I don't think – I think they'll be better than I expected, but I still – I'm not – I'm not I'm still not buying in on them, to be honest. Um, like you said this weekend, I think we'll find out a lot more. Um, but, yeah, you know, rankings are starting to buy in, in on them, but uh, it's going to take a little bit more for me to say – um, that I think they'll be one of the top two or three teams in the ACC this year. For sure. Uh, questions? I know we got a couple. Brad, I'll let you read those out. Um, first, I'll just go over a couple quick ones that I'm seeing from a couple people. Uh, a lot of questions about Tyler Martin update. Um, I, I just There's not an update. Um, it's a very unique situation, a unique injury. Uh, I do think he's – I think Florida State's been – a little more cautious with it than even than they even were going to be because of the way Jackson Green has played. Um, he's playing really well. Um, if Tyler was to come back, he'd likely be the guy to come out of the lineup. Um, so him playing the way he's played has given them an opportunity to be even more cautious and, and go through the process as much as they need to. Um, you know, I, it's just I don't think they know. We don't know exactly when he's going to come back. I still think it's an if instead of a when. Um, it's going to be a bonus if Tyler comes back. Obviously, a, a big bonus. But you know, if he never if he doesn't come back, I don't think it's going to end this season. It's this team's season. Um, but you know, obviously, we all want to see Tyler Martin play. He's you know one of the smartest kids in college baseball, probably. Um, but you know, that's just that's the answer. We don't know. I think that from the conversations that I've had, 
he has some really good days and he has some really bad days um, with it. And so you just you can't risk bringing him back out there and he does something that's detrimental to his life. And that's that's kind of where they're at. So obviously if Tyler Martin gets to a point where he's feeling good for an extended period of time and he can take some reps in practice and, and get after it, I think no one's going to hesitate to play him because he wants to play. Meat wants his kid to play too. I mean, he, we've seen what he can do. That is a really good ACC baseball player. But again, you just can't you just can't rush somebody back when they're not ready because you're talking about something that has nothing to even do with baseball anymore at that right. point. But all right, other questions. Um, got another one here. What's your prediction for how far this team can go in the NCAA tournament this season, based off of what they've done so far? Um, if you're asking how far can they go, um, they can go to Omaha. There's no doubt in my mind, um, especially with the pitching staff. Um, I think the defense is good enough. I think the offense is good enough. Um, yeah, it's a team that can go to Omaha for sure. I think this team can win the national title. I don't think – I mean, can? Is that is that what we're asking is what is it capable can. of? It's, it's, it's a national title-level pitching. You have four starting pitchers that I think <laughs> – that I think anybody would kind of shudder when they have to think about facing. It's – you have good bullpen arms. And I say can because hitting is such a wild card – for most teams where it's like some weeks you're going to hit really well and some weeks you're going to be ice cold. And whatever happens in postseason with the bats, I think will dictate how far Florida State goes. But I think you're going to be in every single game because of the way your starting rotation and, and some key arms in the bullpen are pitching right now. Yeah, and we're not sitting here telling you that they're going to win the national title. But No, you asked they, me can. Yeah, they obviously yeah, – I think, I think they can. I think through so far this year – Fresno State um, won it once yeah. in 2008 randomly, so anybody can. Correct. Yeah, for sure. But I don't want to predict where I think they will. I don't think March 23rd is, is a yeah. good time for me to do that. Um, someone says, we haven't played a top 25 opponent yet. Um, I think that's just based off the current rankings. Uh, they said, how strong do you think our schedule has been so far this season? Um, well, based off RPI, FSU currently has, what did I say? I think I said the third hardest strength of schedule. Um or fourth, uh, you know, obviously you haven't played, you know, a top 10 team or anything like that, but I think you've consistently played good baseball clubs. And I don't think anyone, I don't think many other teams in the country can say that. I don't think they can say you went, you know, you played a top five prospect in MLB draft week one, you played a really good Sanford lineup week two, you played a Cal team that's solid week three. Uh, Wake Forest is showing people, well, actually that is a top 25 opponent. So there's one. Wake Forest is obviously playing, playing really good baseball, and NC State was a top-10 team to start the year. Um, so this is – I think they've played quality teams. Um, I do think it's going to start to ramp up, you know, obviously Florida and then Notre Dame next week um, and Georgia Tech the week after that. Uh, but I think they've been well-prepared so far this year for the rest of their schedule. Yeah, I think midweek-wise you've played probably the toughest slate of midweek games that anybody has, has had to do, right? Outside of, like, some small schools who are – cashing paychecks to go play like major programs every single day. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I still think, you know, the jury is out on this team a hundred percent on, on how good it is and can be. I think people look at losses and think, Oh, six losses. You're not a quality top 10 team. I mean, I don't know that that's true um, because they're winning series, which is all that matters. Uh, but we're going to find out, right? Like I do think, Florida next week in Jacksonville, and then Notre Dame you get three times uh, in tally, and then you go to Georgia Tech. That stretch right there, in my opinion, I think will give us a true gauge of 
what this team is right mm-hmm. now, right? Like, I think we think we're pretty good, but we're going to find out over those next games whether we are really good. And so, um, yeah, that's my answer to that question. Another question, how do you see the catcher position evolving by year end? Vincent Mathis or continued rotation according to pitcher? Um, I think if Colton plays like he's played the last few games, um, you know, just giving you quality at bats, uh, playing good defense, throwing out, you know, 40% of runners so far this year, uh, he's going to be the starting catcher for this team if he continues to play that way. Um, I think, you know, it will be kind of that, you know, he plays three games one in the week and Brock plays one. Um, do you think Brock will continue to get at bats at DH? Um, do you think Brock, like you said, needs to get at bats as well, the way he's hitting? Um, but I think Colton, if he hits, you know, 200 and doesn't strike out much like he's been and, you know, is continued to throw runners out and, you know, is consistent behind the plate, um, he's going to be this team's starting catcher. I like the whole, you know, I actually, it's funny, I asked you that question before we hit record and before we even knew that that was one of the questions some of the fans were asking. So I think we all have similar thoughts on the catching situation um, and Brett's proposal of continue to have Brock on game twos of weekends on Saturdays and Colton on uh, Friday, Sunday, that might be the best way. And, and I think you'll see Brock catch on Saturdays, like you said, but also DH him continuously. But I also, we have to see if Brock continues to hit this way. I've been impressed with him. I mean, 300 plus with that kind of power, that'll play, right? Like that, that needs to stay in the lineup. Um, but I also think Colton provides things that you don't see. Brett, you once likened catching to like the offensive line. Where like, if they're doing their job, you're not noticing them. It's when they mess up that you're like, oh, they suck. And it's like, that's not fair. Because you're not giving them the praise for all the little things that they do well. Colton Vincent, just yesterday, being able to call that game uh, on ACC Network Extra and watching every pitch um, and being dialed in, he frames bad pitches and gets strikes. And that is a skill that you don't see every day. Well, I'm sorry, that you don't praise every day. And the way that he blocks balls, as you've mentioned too, he's saving, he's saving runners from moving up 90 feet, which could be the difference between an RBI single and you leaving the inning without giving up a run. So uh, Cole's doing his thing, but like, like I said, I think Brock, if he keeps hitting this way, man, you have to find ways to, to get him in the lineup. You just kind of have to. Yeah, for sure. Um, Another one here, another catcher kind of related question. Um, do you think Baz Jimenez ever fully recovers from injury? Um, you know, I was chatting down with Baz during BP yesterday. Um, he's feeling good. Uh, I think he believe he long tossed yesterday with Parker and caught his bullpen, uh, you know, inching back to being 100% with that arm. Um, you know, I don't think he'll ever be thrown back behind the plate this year. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that Baz is a good chance to be the starting catcher next year. And, I've always liked what he provides at FSU um, behind the plate and also at the plate. Um, I think he's, a, you know, a kind of catcher that if he's healthy um, and he's right and he's got some experience under his belt that um, he's going to be good for you. Um, you know, a couple other questions going over to Twitter here now. I was on the board. Um, is Brett Roberts hurt or just slumping? Um, <clears throat> I think Brett's just slumping. Uh, Brett had one of these slumps in Katuit over the summer. Um, you know, he started the year hitting like 350, dipped down to 240, and le- even down at the end of the year at 300, 310 or something like that. Um, you know, B-Rob is struggling really hard, you know, a good bit right now. Um, but, man, I, I, I've i seen basically every single one of, of Brett's at-bats since the summer, and 
you know, Brett can hit. I know that. Uh, the, the hands are special. He's just got to trust them. Um, I think he's been out on his front foot too much lately. Uh, you know, try, he's pressing a bit, trying to get, uh, you know, out to some pitches. But I think if he just just sees one hit, um, I still think Brett's a 300 hitter. Uh, I really like what Brett gets to him. I think his Ks will go down um, if, when he gets in a groove. Um, he's not someone I worry about at the plate, even though he's been slumping hard recently. Um, I know a lot of people have been, um, you know, asking me a little bit about that. But, I, you know, I just trust my evaluation on Brett, to be honest, and I, I just really think he can hit for them still. You know, in basketball they say shoot or shoot. You shoot yourself out of a slump. Uh, I think Brett is one of those guys like hitters hit, and he's a pure hitter. And so he'll the only way he's going to get better is by getting more at-bats and by continuing to see pitches, and he'll figure it out. I think that was one of the kids that I'm least worried about. Um, I do think Florida State is trying to figure out ways to get him going again, um, and I just think he's right now just pressing a little bit at the plate. But maybe the, the, the night at DH and, and maybe a couple more nights at DH could be what Brett needs to just kind of focus on the plate at the plate and, and, and on his bat. So, uh, But overall, I'm not worried about him. A couple more questions here. Um, I like this question. Um, do you like Lacey at third center or option C? Literally anywhere the kid's an animal. Um, I'll go with option C. Kid is an animal. Um, showtime, as they call him, and the tattoo on his bicep. Uh, uh, another question, one-third of the way through the season. What do we have to do the remaining of this uh, two-thirds of the season to secure a national seed? I think if Florida State just keeps winning series, you know, sweeps one or two here in ACC play, has a solid, you know, ACC tournament, um, that they have a potential for a national seed. Um, I do think you'll have to get, you know, you know, two or three sweeps in ACC play. Um, you know, if you win a series against TCU late in the season, I think that's a big deal um, against another team that's usually a national power. Um, so yeah, if you you don't drop more than two ACC series, I think I think you'll have a you'll have a good chance at that. I think also ACC tournament provides some opportunity late to kind of impress the committee. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, if you finish with a top 15 RPI and a top 10 strength of schedule, you're going to be in the conversation for a national seed. So that's what I keep looking at right now. FSU checks all the boxes. They're a top 10 RPI team with a top five strength of schedule. And if that continues, I think you'll feel pretty good about Florida State having the right to host uh, all the way to the College World Series. But wouldn't that be something, Brett, <laughs> if Florida State got to be a national seed again? It's been a few years, right? Like four, I think. Since, since the last time, so All right. that'd be awesome. Three more quick questions I'll give quick answers to. Um, Ari, you can chime in after with answers to them if you have some, but what player is the most upside that we haven't seen emerge yet? Um, I think that would be A.J. Shaver, like we talked about. Um, another question is, what, why, who would you project as the weekend starters next year, um, assuming Parker and Bryce are drafted? Um, mine would be Ross, uh, Montgomery, and Ballmeister. Um, and I think Coel would be a really good closer. Um, what's the latest on Doug Kirkland? Is he even throwing yet? Yes, Doug is throwing. He's actually thrown um, a few bullpens, a good bit of bullpens. Uh, he's not going to pitch this year, uh, but he's he's working well through the process. I think he'll be um, back and fully available by fall um, and be a really dangerous arm for Florida State next year. Yeah, honestly, those questions seem better tailored for you to answer. So I'm glad you did that. I just I could just say I agree with Brett. <laughs> um, just one more. Is there a reason we don't bunt more often, given that it worked well Tuesday and we were burned, we were burned by it against NC State? Um, I have to say, in the 17-inning the game, I was fine with not bunting the first time around in the ninth inning. 
Um, you know, I think that's kind of a 50-50 call analytics-wise. And Your co-host was not very happy no, about it. No, but you do have the top of your order <laughs> up. You do have the top of your order up, so I get not bunting there. But when it comes around the second time and it's the 15th inning and it's the same scenario, I do think you do need to bunt there. But, heck, the kid that didn't bunt both times ends up hitting the walk-off home run, and that's a really special moment for Jaime. Um, and like I said earlier, I think the whole the whole theme of that whole game felt like resiliency. Um, Jaime's a kid that has type 1 diabetes and played 26 innings that day. Uh, for him to come up in that moment after he really struggled for that game, um, I, I thought that was really special for him to do. Um, you know, we probably should have talked about this earlier in the podcast. Um, but, you know, we've talked about it a lot, and – just wanted to get that in there. We're probably going to talk about Jaime a lot the rest yeah, of the season, yeah, so yeah. you'll have to forgive us. <clears throat> yeah, Jaime's in 358 <laughs> now with eight doubles, a triple, and three homers. Um, that's going to play. It's going to play on the freshman All-American team probably. Yeah. The bunt, the bunts bothered me, and it wasn't I, – I hate bunting. I think the analytics tell you you don't do that, especially early in games. Like, you're not playing small ball um, early in contests, but for me it was like the winning run – you're the you're the home team, so it's not like the other team gets an at bat. One run, playing for one run ends the game, which I would have liked to see. That's all I'm saying. You know, runner on second, nobody out. You need to try and put him on third with one out and put the pressure on NC State because you know, I mean, it's not just also about analytics. It's about the game pressure you put on NC State to finish the inning, which I don't know that they would have been able to do. But that's just me personally. I'm not a coach. I'm sure Meat, Belly, Metcalf have, have all the analytics and, and you know the thick book and, and the stacks of papers that tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Um, it's just in that situation, I felt like you're trying to end the game with one run. You should go for it. But my explanation for it was, Brett, to you, was I don't know that they trust some of these kids to lay that down yeah. successfully as opposed to the alternative. If Jaime's hitting 360 and you don't think that there is a 36% chance that Jaime's going to lay the bunt down correctly – then maybe you're going to let the kid swing the stick. That was the only thing I could think of. Yeah, and I did think they, like you said, I didn't like the way they managed that the second game of the series, but I did think they did a really good job of managing the bullpen in the third game. Um, you know, having Wyatt back there to, you know, Wyatt was built up as a starter, having him back there as a guy you could, you know, ride out in the last, you know, five innings of that. And, you know, I thought it was good to see them trust Davis for three innings. Um, so overall, I thought, you know, outside of, you know, going to Simmons in the seventh. And um, I can understand that a little bit as well because, you know, Dylan does have good stuff. But, you know, when a kid's not going right and when people are seeing it um, and it's a three-run game, you just – it's tough to put him in that situation. Um, but overall, I thought it was a was a fine, well-managed weekend. The last thing I'll say on this before we sign off uh, on the bunting thing, I did see Florida State softball uh, assistant coach Travis Wilson talking about – he was tweeting about how Florida State, when they beat, was it UCLA, I think, in Clearwater, they had a similar situation, runner at second um, with nobody out. And he said that the analytics uh, support not bunting uh, in that situation. So um, modern age baseball, right? Like you got you to gotta play the percentages and, and play what the stats tell you to. And I'm guessing that's what Florida State did there, um, as opposed to what our old-fashioned conventional thinking of small ball baseball is but seven o'clock against duke two o'clock against duke one o'clock against duke seven o'clock friday two o'clock saturday one o'clock on sunday friday's game on acc network you get that nationally and then saturday sunday brett do you have any idea who you get to listen to aria masuti man you, you enjoy so your right. return back to the booth I yesterday did, man. florida state women's basketball season came to an end so 
uh, thankful to be able to get back into the booth at baseball. And uh, I missed it. I really did. Got to do opening weekend and then had to watch a bunch of games on my phone traveling the country. So, What did you think uh, of Coach Sue retiring? Oh, man. Uh, I'll get emotional if I talk about <laughs> that. She's meant a lot to me. Uh, and she means a lot to, to college basketball as a whole. And um, she deserves her retirement. That's a Hall of Fame coach. So uh, all the best to Coach Sue. And, and thank you for everything you've done for me and my family. But all right. Uh, anything you want to touch on before we say goodbye until next week? I think we should just mention um, Carol Martin. Oh, uh, yeah. Gosh, I'm glad, glad you're bringing that up. You want to hit on that? Um, just we're, we're praying for, for Carol. Um, it seems like she's okay. I guess the word that came out was a mini stroke. Um, I think they put out a press release and, and talked about it. I saw that was floating around on Twitter, and Meet seemed to be in good spirits and said that she was going to be okay. And he joked, he asked me, uh, how does Carol watch the uh, streaming games? Because uh, the doctor said she's not allowed to come to the baseball park. And I laughed at that. I think it's stress-related, and we're going to have to figure out how to find uh, 11 and Carol uh, opportunities to, to watch the games on streaming. And I said, uh, do they have a fire stick or a Roku or – <laughs> Meat looked at me like I was crazy. He goes, we're talking about my dad. Like, does my dad, do you think my dad knows how to use a, a Roku? <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. So all the best to 11 as well, and, and I hope Carol can continues we, to get healthy. Can we also just talk real quick about how crazy this game, this season's been so far through 20 games? Like, there's been so many things that's already happened this year that I've never seen before. Like, it's a 17-inning game, we've had four times this year where guys have just, like, missed the plate, one in a home run. Um, it's been a weird year so far, man. No kidding. Uh, all right, man. Well, I think a good episode. We hope you guys enjoyed and we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please do, uh, if you're on Apple and you can hit the five star tab, give us that if you can and uh, leave us a comment and a review. We like reading them to see what we can do better and what you guys are enjoying. Uh, we're excited and, and thankful that you guys had questions this week and uh, continue to share Sunday goals with your friends. Let them know. I, I know a lot of you have friends and family that love FSU baseball. And uh, we, we try to give you the best coverage that we can and give you the most accurate um, perception and, and evaluation of where this team's at uh, as we go through. And, and nobody does this better than Brett. Like, let's be honest, nobody covers this team better than Brett Nevitt. So we'll continue to do this for you guys. Uh, those of you watching this weekend, I'll see you on the broadcast and hopefully in your living rooms and, and on your phones and wherever else. And uh, we'll come back and talk on Monday.